You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It is hour three. Good morning. The Big Show with no Russick and no Rose. Instead, you've got Gordon and Dumas along with you. One more hour to go. Just finished up a chat with Ben Wagner in hour two, chatting all things Toronto Blue Jays. Still to come, we got uh, some Shaw Charity Classic news coming your way. Yes, sir. A couple weeks away from that, getting going in August, some player announcements. And one of those players will join us before we're out of here. So still lots to get to on the program today. GVP is here spinning tunes on the board, along with Shan and Azam. Thanks all three of them for their outstanding work this morning. A reminder, the fan feedback line always open to you at 960-960 as we continue on down the big show. Again, no Rustic, no Rose, but very happy to uh, kick off this hour. Uh, CFL week kicks off the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Edmonton Elks. It's a big spread. We'll talk uh, a little bit about that and all the matchups coming up this week uh, with our pal Justin Dunk from 3 Down Nation. JD, man, how are you? Doing well, fellas. Where's my invite to this golf tournament? You'll, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. Just uh, just wait for it. Snail mail? You, you yeah. You'll you be around in Calgary August 16th to 20th? Justin here. Justin, as soon as the CFL gets their stat things going, you'll have your invite, okay? It's that kind <laughs> oh, of timeline. years. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, same kind of timeline. We're, we're working some uh, kinks out in the system here. Uh, but good to have you with us, pal. Thanks for uh, for hopping on, as always. Uh, massive spread tonight, man. And I, I can't really uh, blame the, the odds makers on this one. This on paper tonight looks like it could get ugly between uh, Winnipeg and Edmonton. Oh, boy. Could it ever, man. I mean, ideally, if you were the Edmonton Elks, you were hoping that the Blue Bombers would have beat the Red Blacks in some form or fashion in the nation's capital. And then maybe you would think on a short week, it could be a letdown spot, but the Bombers are going to be out for blood. And I think they're going to put an absolute beat down on the Elks. Kenny Lawler is back in the lineup. Michael Shea is going to have this team super focused because they're looking at the top of the West Division standings and thinking, you know, we can't afford, obviously, to lose the game and fall another game behind the BC Lions who have already beat them this year so the win I think is I don't want to say all but guaranteed but I think the Bombers just have to show up and play a decent brand of football to get the win and then you look at the spread and I understand why it's that big because Edmonton just has not showed any consistency on offense and if your offense ain't moving the ball that creates all kinds of problems for your defense being on the field and even special teams taking a bunch of reps too so I think everybody's seeing this big Bombers win but the Bombers could win handily by a couple touchdowns, and that means the Elks still cover. But, guys, there's been a couple spots this year where I thought were prime for the Elks to cover. One of them was last week against the Tiger Cats, who were on a short week traveling out west, had you know a youngish quarterback in there, and then Taylor Powell comes in there, a rookie CFL quarterback, and starts throwing dimes for touchdowns. So yeah. I just can't in good conscience put my money on Edmonton right now until they prove that they can even just cover this big of a spread. Yeah, the young quarterbacks are for sure going to take uh, center stage this week, J.D., and we'll, we'll talk to you about some of those matchups specifically. But I'm curious from an Elks perspective why their young quarterback in-house still won't get an opportunity. I know Chris Jones has been asked about it in his 
standard response has been, well, Trey Ford needs to play better. And I'm saying to myself, play better than who? Because I'm not sure the two guys in front of him have been world beaters either. Is this as confusing to you as it is to me while we're not seeing Trey Ford at this point? Yes, and admittedly, I am a flag carrier for Canadian quarterbacks yes. that come from Canada, the United States. I don't care where they come from. they got a Canadian passport. Like, Let's get them in there. But yep. especially guys that have played the Canadian game, you know this well. Trey Ford has been around this game, and there is no way he is any worse than Taylor Cornelius or Jarrett Deggy have showed this year for the Edmonton Oaks. There were a couple of flashes last year with Cornelius, but Cornelius didn't get the opportunity to be the week-to-week starter, let's say, until Trey Ford got hurt on a inside run called for a quarterback last year against Calgary, right? You guys remember that game well. He had just thrown a great ball, and Stephen McAdoo calls an inside run for a quarterback that is not well-built. But I don't care. No quarterback should be running an inside run, and he gets hurt, and then that's what led to Cornelius getting this contract extension. So the only thing that I can make of Chris Jones and his decision to continue running Cornelius out there, even though there was one week when he put Daggy in there against Ottawa, is the fact that he's owed guaranteed money in 2024 and feels like he doesn't want to give up on somebody that they sort of stake their reputation on. But Trey Ford, they've done that with as well. They invested a first-round CFL draft pick in this guy. He started and won a game last year as a CFL rookie, has intriguing upside and athletic ability, and could potentially create some off-schedule plays here with an offensive line that I think has been solid, but is running guys out here like Josiah St. John and Brett Boyko at tackle. Brett Boyko didn't even play all of last season in the CFL. And you think a pocket passer like Taylor Cornelius is going to get your offense going when he has not been accurate and he can't move around near as well as Trey Ford. So I just cannot understand why the move has not been made to Ford yet. And Chris Jones talked about playing better. Well, I think you guys probably know this, but for your listeners, the first-string quarterback or the starter every week is going to probably get 80%, if not more, of the reps in practice. Mm-hmm. The backup is usually going to get the rest of them. So Trey Ford might, might be getting a couple reps here and there in practice. Maybe he's running the short yardage package, and that's it. So you challenge a guy to play better, but every time that you put him in games, he's flashed intriguing upside. He's flashed ability to be, I think, a viable starter with upside in this league. So you actually have to play the guy to play better. And then a lot of people on my Twitter timeline were saying, well, maybe Chris Jones needs to coach better. Maybe Tor- Taylor Cornelius needs the same message to play better. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's inconsistent messaging. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's it's frustrating for Elks fans knowing – that it doesn't feel like they're exhausting all options right now. They're winless on the year and uh, going to be in tough to end that home losing streak next week when they welcome in uh, BC. Before we move on from this game, though, did want to mention this. I think it's worth noting, uh, J.D., we'll see the return to Winnipeg tonight for Kenny Lawler. Uh, just how big of an impact do you think he can have on this Blue Bombers offense? I think it can be really big. I mean, the Blue Bombers offense has been rolling pretty strong, you know, really since they won that first great cup sort of of this era in 2019. But yeah, the dynamic elements of this offense, we've seen what Dalton Schoen can do. We know what Nick Dembski does, but Kenny Lawler is truly a guy that can do it all. And most importantly, I think for this offense, can get vertical in a hurry, 
and can win a lot of those 50-50 balls, right? Dalton Jones is really good in the slot, utilizing the waggle. He runs great routes. He's precise in terms of having the confidence of Zach Kolaris and knowing where Shone is going to be on the field. Nick Dembski can do different things, you know, as a runner and a receiver as well and runs a lot of great routes. And he has some speed himself, but Lawler is at a different level in terms of him being a legitimate number one receiver in this league. Not that Shone isn't, but Lawler can do it all. He runs great routes. His speedy goes up and I hate calling them 50, 50 balls because when you got a guy like Lawler, I think the percentages change in your favor, like 60, 40 or 70, 30, not that you want to be throwing a bunch of those balls, but Claris is going to have the faith to throw it up there to Lawler in even these one-on-one situations. So I think he adds a dynamic element to this offense, especially with that speed threat, one that was missing a little bit last year for the Bombers. Uh, GD, one more on the on tonight's uh, Bombers and Elks tilt. Uh, with Winnipeg, uh, they're making a bunch of changes to the defensive side of the ball. Like Obviously, they had the issues last week against Ottawa in the collapse. But overall, do you think like, in the end Winnipeg's going to be all right? Because I've been see- seeing it this year. It feels like they're starting to show a little bit of those cracks in the armor. Maybe that offensive line has a little bit too much age on it. This whole team maybe has a little bit too much age on it. But do you think overall, when it all says and says, when it all shakes down, they're going to be all right here? I do believe so, and I can kind of see where you're going. Yeah. But really, to me, the BC game was just an anomaly, and I think that was a case where mm-hmm. BC's defense, and especially the front, dominated that Bombers offensive line. And Stanley Bryan is still really good, but I don't think he is at the peak of his career anymore. He's kind of coming down the downside. Yeah. But it's so difficult to find tackles in this league, and this guy, I think, is still right up there with, the best of them but when you I don't want to say lose a step because it's cliche but when you start maybe slowing down just a little bit then teams take advantage so that BC game to me is an anomaly they proved that it was so coming out the week after and getting a win and then the game in Ottawa like it's so circumstantial right they're controlling that game Zach Claris throws a pass that I think bounced off the hands of Drew Olatarski Brandon Dandridge takes it back for a pick six and all of a sudden there's a bunch of energy in the building mm-hmm. and credit Dustin Crumb for feeding off of that and doing what he did, but he really made two plays, right? Like, yes, he drove them down the field. And a lot of people are looking at it. Well, like as Adam Big Hill lost a step. And I still don't think that that is the case. Willie Jefferson has been an absolute beast this season and is right up there among the sack leaders in the CFL. And the Bombers aren't as veteran, I think, as we think, because they've had some young players in the receiving core, like a Dalton show. Nick Dembski's in the prime of his career. They have some younger players like a, Jeff Gray up front on the offensive mm-hmm. line. And even in the defensive secondary as well with a guy like Theatric Nichols and some of the other pieces they got back there. So I think that the Bombers are still a nice mix right now, but maybe there's a little bit of tape on how to take advantage of them. Although I think the Red Blacks game is a different one all unto itself because they were so in control of that game yeah. and it just kind of got away from them at the end. Uh, Friday's tilt. We'll see uh, the second edition of the, the, the battle between the Ticats and the Argos. Argos won the first meeting. And uh, Hamilton now going with Taylor Powell at quarterback after the injury to Matt Schiltz. Toronto rolling high here, 4-0. and Chad Kelly had the best PFF performance in the in the short six weeks that they've been doing their rankings. But uh, just the, the, this matchup, is, is it's pretty big for Hamilton and in this whole East Division now with uh, everyone behind Toronto at 2-3. and three, like Hamilton can't go down 0-2 in the season series to the Argos here. 
You wouldn't think so, but I think that's what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's think about this. Howell's making his first career CFL start, and granted, last week he looked good, but it was against the Elks. Yeah. Fellas, the dead on the road, found dead on the road Elks. Yeah. <laughs> and now he has to go against Corey Mays, who, mm. if he's not the best, is in the discussion for the best defensive coordinator, best defensive game player in the CFL right now. So I'm sure Mace is licking his chops. I know he used to do, what was it, the turkey drive out there. So, yeah. and like to eat a little bit, and he's probably going to like his defense eating up Powell in his first career start. I don't think we're going to see a situation like Dustin Crum. I don't think Powell is as dynamic. And we got to remember, Dustin Crum was a MAC conference MVP, yeah, Mid-American Conference. Like that is a high level of football. Got a shout out from Julian way. Edelman on Twitter there. Exactly. Yeah. Knowing a thing or two about Kent State quarterback yeah. doing comebacks. <laughs> so I think Powell is an intriguing prospect, but it's asking a lot of him to beat an Argos team. And yes, the Tiger Cats are going to be at home. That is very solid. Like the Argos have taken over this Blue Bombers mentality in terms of one week at a time. And it sounds so cliche, but when these teams start to do this, and we've seen it from the Blue Bombers for multiple years now, and the Argos are getting it. Ryan Dinwiddie has said this multiple times this year. The Argos are really good, and they might not have some of the sexy pieces on offense at receiver, but we're seeing a guy like Demonte Coxie mm-hmm. come out here and make one-handed plays in the end zone. David Unger having a two-touchdown week. So we're seeing these stars develop rapports with Chad Kelly, which I think is potentially to the detriment of the rest of the league or scary for the rest of the league because Kelly's starting to feel it too. Uh, Justin, is there any chance that Mason Fine can keep the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, up above the 500 mark while he takes over for Trevor Harris? It feels like the Riders got a lot going on with all the injuries to the wide receiver room right now, and now losing Trevor Harris for an extended period of time feels like a lot going on there. There definitely is, and I don't necessarily think he needs to keep him over the 500 mark to make the playoffs, fellas, because the East Division outside of Toronto has been so up and down. So, if we just say right now that the Edmonton Elks season is over, and I think that's safe to say, like I said, dead on the side of the road Elks, then the Riders are going to be in a position where they just need to have a record better than the third-place team in the East Division for the crossover spot. And I think that is a possibility. And I also don't think that Mason Fine can't keep the Riders in the playoff contention in the West Division. I think this is a guy that was very productive at the University of North Texas with the mean green. Now he's going to try to bring that production over to the green and white. He's got some intriguing traits. And I think for me, at least I kind of throw away the starts at the end of last year, because that rider team was just so much different. It seemed like there was a bad energy around it. I think there's a much more positive energy around the riders right now. And I know you mentioned the receiver room and they would obviously like to get some of those guys healthy, but to me, fine is an intriguing prospect. And I think you can keep them competitive. Uh, before we let you go, Justin, you uh, had it up at uh, Three Down Nation just the other day, I think yesterday actually, uh, week six full of thrilling action across the CFL and the TV numbers coming in very strong for the league the last little while. Hey, tell us a little bit more about that. Indeed. Since week one through week six, the TV ratings on average per week, so whether it's three or four games, averaging those games out has gone up every single week. And in week six, those thrilling games, maybe people were talking about the finishes and other people tuned in, what have you, ended up being the highest-rated week going all the way back to week two of the pandemic-shortened 2021 season. And it was actually close to being, I think it was about 
5,000 on average off that week. So we're almost going back to 2019. And, you know, it's interesting because when the ratings were down in week one, a lot of people were responding to me on social media and saying, well, you know, everybody's cutting the cord and you can't compare even year over year. And then something like this happens and all the CFL backers, you know, I guess rightfully so, like, oh, this is amazing and this is so great. So we're just trying to provide balance and the facts here. But it certainly is a major positive for the league. And the best part about those ratings was the Stampeders Rough Riders game actually drew more average viewers in the 25 to 54 age demographic, about 230,000, than the Blue Jays did on the same day, it was about 228,000. So they just beat the Jays on that day for that age demographic. But I think that's really important because, as you guys well know, a lot of people think that the CFL fan base is aging. And I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to get in trouble like the former Elks chair of the board. But I think that shows that there are younger people watching the games. And if anybody watched any game in week six, even though the Elks are terrible, it was some entertaining football. So I guess the next question would be, Justin, is is it on the league now to see these sort of numbers and find a way to to monetize them as, as fans of the game or even as butts in seats? Like, is that on the CFL now to say, hey, look, we've clearly got an audience here, but how do we turn them into, you know, seats at McMahon or a guy that, that goes to CFL.ca and buys a jersey? Is that sort of the next step for them, knowing they've got this strong backing, at least for TV numbers lately? I think it's in process right now, right? Look at the BC Lions opening up the upper deck like early in the week yeah. for their home game this week. So I think there is a positive feel around the league. And I've said this to some people and received their feedback, and they've agreed with me that the league from an ownership perspective right now might be in the best position it's ever been, right? You look at what's going on with Pierre Carl Pelado putting a bunch of money into the Alouettes and Mark Doman with the BC Lions. You have MLSE and CSEC, you know, owning the Stampeders and the Argos, respectively. I almost said the Maple Leafs. I don't know why, but MLSE obviously <laughs> owns the Leafs. Yeah. And obviously the Riders and the Blue Bombers and even the Elks are publicly owned, but two of those teams have done really well. And if Edmonton could just win a couple games, I think what Victor Klee and the business operations team is doing there at Edmonton could be a boon to their financial book. So, I think overall that's part of it. Right? I think it's right now in process. Yes, you want to get people in the stadium, but really these Thursday night games are designed for TV to try to maximize an audience because it's not ideal for a lot of people to go out to these games on a Thursday night. I would argue if it became more sexy that people would go in Toronto, let's say, to watch a Chad Kelly, and I think that actually could draw some interest. But, yeah, the league does need to capitalize on this positive momentum to try to get more people engrossed in the game. People that have maybe watched it in passing and saw some of these entertaining games in week six, you need to keep them invested in it. Justin, appreciate the time as always, pal. Thanks for hopping on with us this morning. Enjoy the game tonight and all the ones coming up this weekend. We'll chat with you again sometime soon, eh? Thanks, JD. Sounds good, fellas. Appreciate you. Thanks, pal. Justin Dunk joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar. Guest hotline from 3 Down Nation. You find him on Twitter at jdunk12. Mm-hmm. CFL Week kicks off tonight in Winnipeg. It's the Blue Bombers and the Edmonton Elks Bombers at 4-2 and two with Kenny Lawler back making his season debut. Elks are 0-6 on the season. The spread right now, Winnipeg favored by 15 oh, points. Up. That's a massive one um, and one that I 
I usually stay away from anything double digit wise, Patty, but I I can't see <laughs> the Elks contending in this. Yeah, it, it's not in this scenario. Not with I just haven't seen enough out of Taylor Cornelius or Jared Daggy yeah. to to make me think that this is an easy one. And defensively, they're down. Miles Morgan, their top uh, tackler in the middle. So Brady Oliveira seems like he's going to have a good night. And, you know, Zach Claro starts throwing it out there. Uh, this could be a this one could be over early uh, when it comes to the start of the week for the CFL. Yeah, uh, we just know how tough it is going into that stadium, IG Field. Bombers don't lose there very often under uh, Mike O'Shea, uh, at least in recent memory. It, 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 it just with all that's been going on in Winnipeg this past week, they want to put that game against Ottawa away. Uh, that's not that's not typical Bomber football. I think they're going to be primed and ready to go. I think Kenny Lawler has, obviously has a lot to prove. It's been a it's been a tough go of things. Obviously, uh, none none through his own fault is all all brought on by himself. So, but still, this is a guy that uh, when it, when he is in the game might be the best receiver in the league. Uh, and uh, you know Zach Claros, I'm sure is happy. He's excited to stretch this field for sure. But yeah, I just don't see Edmonton even remotely trying to keep it close. Maybe this is the night Chris Jones is like, hey Trey Ford, go get her. And later on, if, if it goes way too fast, way too bad here for Corndog and, and Daggy. Would be about time they got him in there. Uh, your Stampeders are in action on Sunday at McMahon Stadium for Family Day. The Ottawa Red Blacks are in town. It is a 5 p.m. kickoff from McMahon Stadium. Uh, Patty, you had some of the details on uh, what's happening at Family Day there. They're yeah. going to the, the practice field's going to be uh, taken over on the south side of the stadium. Yeah, Gridiron Gardens. Gridiron Gardens will be taking over that South Practice Field uh, three o'clock, uh, two hours before kickoff. Uh, tons of tons of fun for the kids. Uh, they'll have bouncy castles. They'll have uh, some players signing autographs. The ones that aren't playing. Um, yeah, the the, uh, the posters for the first two thousand barbecue mascots, Spider Man, Elsa, and all the, obviously uh, Ralph the dog will be there as well. Uh, a lot of a lot of fun. What the what the uh, what the Calgary Stampeders are trying to do in the community, trying to get out there more. Uh, get prominent out there, and it's still it's it, there's expecting like twenty seven thousand there on Sunday. I know you'll probably be there for sure. So, uh, yeah, that means some good weather. Gonna be hot. I was just gonna say the weather thirty degrees. Be a, I think on Sunday got to be a reason to get out there. Period. It's gonna yeah. be gorgeous. You only get so many so many of these so days many of those here, games so. at McMahon Stadium. So make sure you take advantage of it. Uh, we're looking forward to that one again. A five o'clock kickoff from McMahon Stadium. Two and three Stampeders. Two and three. Ottawa Red Black stands for the chance to get back to the 500 mark uh, on the season with a win on Sunday. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Closing out the first three hours of the show, we're going to check in on the Shaw Charity Classic. We have some player announcements to hand your way, and we'll uh, talk to one of those players who's coming up to Canada for the first time for the Shaw Charity Classic. That, as the big show rolls on on this Thursday morning here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are less than a month away from teeing it up at the Shaw Charity Classic at Canyon Meadows. Presented by Rogers this year. Really looking forward to getting down to Canyon Meadows August 16th to the 20th here in the city of Calgary. It is the premier event here in the city for golf. And looking forward to another year. We're getting you set with our friends at the Shaw Charity Classic by letting you know who's going to be in the tournament this year. And uh, along with our friends 
Uh, so we're happy to announce today that uh, three former Canadian Tour players are going to be at the 2023 edition, including two-time Shaw Charity Classic champion Scott McCarron, Kirk Triplett, and joining us now down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline, New Zealand's owned uh, Stephen Elker joins us. Stephen, thanks for the time this morning. How are you, sir? Uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. No problem. Uh, exciting for you to get back to uh, to the stop in Canada. It'll be your lone trip up to Canada for the Shaw Charity Classic. You excited to come up here to Calgary in a couple of weeks? Very much so. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't play last year, but um, I've heard great things about the golf course. I uh, love Calgary. Uh, from my times playing on the Canadian Tour, I uh, had a couple of years up there playing and uh, always love coming across the border and playing and and Calgary's one of my favorite stops. Uh, tell me what you know about the tournament because it, it does sound like one on this uh, the Champions Tour, Stephen, that's gotten uh, a pretty good reputation about itself after a couple of years here in Calgary now. Yeah, it has. Well, I think the first thing is just uh, you've been in Canada, um, having the only event there. A lot of guys support it. Uh, Charity-wise, that's the other big thing too. Yeah. A lot of guys go up and uh, it's for a great cause, you know. They raise a lot of money. Um, that, that's that's huge for communities and and Canada itself. And then, um, you know, I've heard great things about the golf course. I just love going up there and playing. And uh, yeah, it's just a little different to, to what we normally play. So yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to it for sure. Uh, talk to us about your year so far. I know you're uh, over in the UK right now for an event. It's been uh, another successful year for you so far on the tour. How have you felt about your game the last couple of weeks, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. I mean, it's I've had a, a win this season. Um, would have liked uh, another one or two, but you know, I've had <laughs> a few seconds. But um, yeah, I think just kind of building up for for some of the majors. This is going to be our last one next week. Yeah, uh, for the the senior British. Um, that's a big one. My wife is English, so she keeps hounding me to to get my ass in the gear and, and do something <laughs> decent. So this is a, this is a very good one to to play well in. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of the season coming up, you know, with the shore coming up, we've got a, a nice run of tournaments uh, before our finals. So, yeah, you know, the game's, the game's been there. It's just, um, um, it's, it's competitive. You know, Bernard's still winning, and obviously Stricker's playing great. Yeah. Um, You've you got to play really well to, to get that W. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, I've seen you British, and then, as I said, I'd love to win in, in Canada. It's been a few years. I've won a few times on the Canadian Tour, so... Um, another another win in Canada would be fantastic. Uh, I'd love to flash back to, to last year with you for a quick second, if you don't mind. You were voted as the uh, player of the year by, by your peers in 2022 after you had four uh, PGA Champions titles along with four second-place finishes. How uh, cool was that for you, uh, Stephen, as a moment in your career to be voted player of the year by your peers? You just mentioned some of them there that you golf with on a regular basis. It's a very very competitive field in the champions tour and to be get that some that kind of award must have been special for you yeah very much so uh you know it's just a reward from you know just a, a big con, good consistent year um and that's what we strive to do you know try and get wins but be consistent and um and to be voted by my peers as well you know um obviously legends of the game and, and hall of famers uh that's extra special so you know, when you win those sort of things, you just it just goes to so you you sit down at the end of the year and you go, heck, that was a that was a pretty good year, you know. So um, that was really pleasing, and then um, it's just kind of what comes along with with playing so well. So 
um, it, it was very, very pleasing, especially to to be voted by fellow players, for sure. Stephen, uh, we've talked with uh, Marco Miro, who'll be also in the tournament. Uh, we talked to him a couple of weeks back. He talked about you know guys coming up here and they do other things other than golf. I know Calgary's been prominent with uh, a lot of golfers love the fly fishing, love the fishing up yeah. here. Is is that something that you uh, you're into? You love the, the outdoors? Um, I, I do. I, I'm always outdoors. I'm not much of a fisherman. You know, I've like been on the water and, and amongst the mountains, and um, you know, we're in Arizona, so yeah. some good hiking up there, but. Um, yeah, fishing wise, I'm not a I'm not a fisherman, but I, I just love being up in Canada. Obviously, that the mountains, it's a you know, um, I don't know what it is that the air's fresher up there, the milk's better, or something. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I just I just love spending time up there. Actually, a lot of it reminds me of New Zealand too, just with the yeah. um, the countryside and you know the the pine trees and the um, just the vegetation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lot of New Zealand in there, so it kind of feels like a little bit of home for me too. Uh, you, you spent a, a good chunk of your career on the Canadian tour. Now, now, like that was a, like a, for a guy that's from New Zealand, not from uh, you know North America. Like, how does one land yourself on the Canadian tour and then turn itself into a pretty good career on said tour? Yeah, it was just kind of a progression thing. I, I was planning in. Uh, Australasia, mm-hmm. um, down in New Zealand, and I, I just wanted somewhere else to play. And then a couple of buddies of mine said, well, come up to Canada. And, you know, you're, you're close to the U.S., you can play a bit there. But Canada at the time, when I was playing, like, late 90s, early 2000, you know, we had, like, what, probably 15, 16 events. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we could drive most places. And it, it was just a fun tour and a, a great bunch of guys to, to be around. At the time, for me, it was I was just trying to, play somewhere and progress in the game. So it, it was a great uh, place to, to really to do that. And, and I'm very grateful for, for the time there because it, it led me on to European tour and then, and then getting into the PGA tour. So, um, yeah, it, it was just, uh, it was good times and, and good, um, good, a good time for me to just grow my game and, and, and get amongst some decent competition. You're over in the UK right now for an event as you guys get ready for your Senior Open Championship next week. Uh, just like a lot of the courses over there, link style, they take into, of course, the, the nature of the things. Like, can you just explain the differences of playing on your standard traditional golf course and then applying it to a, a, to a link style? Yeah. Well, first of all, your conditions. You know, so your links, of course, you can get a bit of everything. You can get the wind coming from every direction. Uh, on one day, you know, not just different days. And then, um, you know, you've got the, the firmer ground. You know, you've got the um, the ball running. So we, we like to say we're, we're kind of playing the ball on the ground a lot more rather than the air like we would in, in Canada or the States. Mm-hmm. So and then you've got, then you've got, you know, just the um, the undulations and the, um, the unevenness and the, and, the, and the bunkering. Yeah, there's just so many different, um, aspects and elements to, to the game. So kind of gets you thinking a bit more, especially when it's blowing, you know, 30, 40 miles an hour across the across the fairway or, or into you. So, yeah, it's just a different type of golf. And, and, and I enjoy it because you've got to use your imagination yeah. a little bit more and um, really kind of, um, you know, play, play some shots, play, play some golf. Have you, t- have you watched uh, much of the round one coverage of the, of the Open Championship on right now? I have not. I caught a few, uh, a couple of holes this morning um, before I left. I'm actually, I just drove down the coast to to get a little bit of prep and actually in the next couple of days. So 
I haven't seen much, uh, but I'll, but I'll watch a little bit the next couple of days, especially over the weekend. I'll watch a bit more. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, when's the last time you came to Canada while we have you? Last time uh, was probably a PGA Tour event. Um, and I'm trying to think, probably 17, I might have played the Canadian Open. And that, I think that was in Toronto. That was at yeah. um, um, Glen Abbey, I think, was the last one I played. I think that was 17. Yeah, so, you know, coming up six years now. So, as I said, you know, I'm just... I'm just looking forward to it all. Just the, um, yeah, the people, uh, the food, and, and just the golf and um, everything in general. Well, we're looking forward to getting you up here as well. We uh, always appreciate uh, guys like yourself making the trip up to Calgary. We look forward to to your arrival. Enjoy the golf you've got to play in the next couple of weeks, but also safe travels when you get to Calgary. And hope you have a great performance at the Shaw Charity Classic, Stephen. Thanks, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for coming Stephen. on with us. Appreciate it. Stephen Alker joining us on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this morning. He, one of uh, three players committing to the Shaw Charity Classic this year, the 2023 edition, uh, including uh, two-time Shaw Charity Classic champion Scott McCarron and Kirk Triplett as well. Yeah. Uh, joining a it's field. It's a loaded field, man. It's already a loaded field. Freddie Fred Couples. Couples. Yep, go for it. VJ Singh, Marco Mira, Darren Clark, John Daly. We love John Daly. Uh, Jerry Kelly, Corey Pavin, David Toms, of course, Canadians. Uh, Mike Weir will be there. And Y.E. Yang, uh, Y.E. Yang, who uh, beat Tiger in the 08 uh, PGA Championship. Uh, you know, it'll be a good show. I mean, I'm uh, I'm excited. Got the invite for the media stuff. So, like, definitely might want to go check that thing out. Down what, did Meadows. Get, what did I get? You got it? I just got to get you in connection with Chris Dornan. We'll Chris. get you in connection. He's got, probably listening. I got Sean at the Shaw Charity Classic, too, and I'm sitting here waiting for... For uh, mine, <laughs> we'll sitting get, in the mail there, we'll get, Chris. We'll get Chris uh, to get you out some. I'm just bugging you as always. Uh, but I do want to get down there for the, uh, this year's edition for sure, uh, especially with the Rogers Shaw connection. Yeah. Now it's gonna be big for us here, uh, golf fans. If you're planning to attend the Shaw Charity Classic, uh, you want to have the opportunity to take advantage of early bird tickets until tournament week. Single day general admission tickets for tournament play August 18th to the 20th that are purchased in advance of the tournament cost 20 bucks. Well, upgraded Canyon Club tickets purchased in advance will only be 40 bucks. That's plus GST and fees. Juniors 12 and under are admitted free when accompanied by a ticketed adult. And do not hesitate to get your tickets before it gets sold out. We're just a few weeks away from this happening. You don't want to get to early August and go, oh, man, do I have my tickets yet? And you've missed out on it because we're just starting to announce more and more names. And as they come down the list, more people are going to buy their tickets. Do not be caught missing what I think is just the premier golf event here in the city of Calgary, the 2023 edition of the Shaw Charity Classic, coming your way August 16th to the 20th mm-hmm. at Canyon Meadows Golf Course. Yeah, uh, hopefully the weather stays good. Hopefully the wildfire smoke stays away as well, and we have a good, clean action uh, uh, there at the late August for sure. Uh, some coaching Yes, I uh, wanted, wanted to pass this along today as well. We've had uh, a pair of assistant coaches uh, hired across the NHL this morning. One very familiar here in Calgary, the Washington Capitals poaching another <laughs> former Calgary Flames coach. Kirk Muller is an assistant coach along with Kenny McCudden as an assistant and skills coach. So Kirk Muller finding NHL work once again following his stint uh, under Daryl Sutter here at the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mitch Love on that staff as well, so they know each other well from their time here in Calgary. So former Wranglers head coach Mitch Love and former Flames associate coach Kirk Muller 
Uh, now assistants yeah. under Spencer Carberry in Washington. Carberry uh, getting a little, dip, you know, dipping into the, the pool. He must have liked something he saw up here. Obviously, what Mitch Love uh, did what, with the Wranglers. He was a finalist here for the head coaching job. And then Kirk Muller, uh, who's been a longtime assistant in this league, has gotten some head coaching experience as well. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with the Capitals and what they're trying to do. And then the Toronto Maple Leafs also made some hires as well for their assistants. Uh, Guy Boucher uh, back as well. And then Mike Van Ryn uh, is the assistant coaches. They'll pair uh, with Sheldon Keefe alongside uh, Dean Chenoweth, Manny Malhotra, and the goalie coach Curtis Sandford. Yeah, we'll see how uh, how this works. Uh, Van Ryan, a former Maple Leaf, I believe. Yes, he was. I think he did play for them uh, for a short period of time. And, of course, Guy Boucher was uh, head coach of the Ottawa Senators. Lightning as well. Uh, and, uh, yes, uh, one of the great villainous looks in the NHL. Yeah, easily like uh, a Bond villain yeah. if if you're spitting the spitting image of one. So maybe bring some toughness to that, <laughs> to that Toronto bench. Yeah. Uh, and quickly, uh, for all the Jersey nerds out there like myself, uh, the NFL news continues to roll in with jerseys. GVP, have you seen the latest drop from the NFL this morning? I have not. Late on me. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons announcing their red helmets, their throwback They're red back. helmets, coming back for three games in 2023. And the Indianapolis Colts. Indy Knights. Indy Knights jerseys. A new blue jersey, blue pants with a black helmet for the Indianapolis Colts. So that is jerseys for the Seahawks, the Vikings, the Browns. Browns also with new helmets. Uh, the Titans are coming out with new ones. Broncos next week. Jets sometime this week as well. Uh, there is a ton of NFL mm-hmm. uniforms now that that one helmet rule is out Thank in the you. NFL. Teams are taking advantage of it and... Uh, I don't know that there's been a nicer one than the, what the Seattle Seahawks put out yesterday. Yeah. That Seahawk, uh, the old AFC cool. Seattle Seahawk look, the silver helmet, the the, bl- the light blue. Um, yeah, the, the, the lowercase font also very, very subtly. I love that with the Seahawks. Uh, there's their look. The Steve Largent days, the John Kitna days, Dave Craig. Um Brian, uh, Brian Bosworth, trying to yep. think of all trying to form <laughs> old former Seahawks. Uh, oh God, uh, bah, 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 bah. Ah, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of more. No, there's <laughs> more. There's, there's already more. been like ten, and there's there's still more to come. Yeah, so. no, uh, yeah, but the Vikings look is great. Uh, the Falcons, uh, obviously, with the red helmet. The Titans will be divi- uh, showing off their Oiler look as well later this week. Uh, whatever old is new again, it's happening across the world. You see in branding is every company and logo and team seem like, Hey, maybe that rebrand wasn't great or it worked at the time. But what we started with was obviously the best of nostalgia, man. The NHL's two years in a row gone to Rever- reverse retro, the reverse retro. And the now yeah. some, there you go. Cortez Kennedy. That was the name I was thinking. Some of. have Thank you, embraced the, the reverse retro a little differently than others. But as I Some said, to, completely I said to Brent Gibbs with the, with the Flames, who does so much great uh, yeah. jersey and marketing work for the Flames, I said to Gibby, I said, uh, when the reverse retros were happening, I said, I thought the memo was to refresh an old jersey, not come up with a new one. And some of you know, mm-hmm. teams interpret things differently, but nostalgia, man, it it Just, almost always works. And I like what I really like is is incorporating a new version. Like if the Denver Broncos were to change the uniforms, we were talking about this earlier, mm-hmm. and they were to go back to the the, the D orange with crush, the, the yeah. stallion yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Don't just give me the old jersey. No, 
give me that style of jersey, but you know, fresh it up. The Seahawks yeah. did that. They've got the new Nike template yeah, to it course. and everything. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather see that than just a throw a pure back to mm-hmm. the 80s or 90s oh, yeah. look. But some of these are classic. Some mm-hmm. of these are, are like, let's have some fun. It's fun. We're supposed to have fun with sports and jerseys yeah. and uniforms. And the NFL finally got off of their weird stance. About- yeah, because I think it it, caught, it, helped, it didn't help the concussion issue, which it doesn't sure. matter. You're going to get hit in a helmet. You're going to hit that head's going to hit no matter what. It doesn't matter if you're changing the type and color of helmet. No. <laughs> so, we can... uh, but yeah, no, it's it, now, weird. Weird that a, a, an organization like the NFL with all of the misses they've had on concussions and concussion spotting, that that was their, their biggest worry was that if the team had multiple <laughs> helmets with different colors on it, was, yeah, it that just, was the... Like, I look at the Packers when they tried to do their little throwbacks over the last few years before the two-helmet rule. It was just, like, out there with, with the yellow helmet, and it made no sense. And they're rocking, like, the blue, and, the, like, the helmet they actually wore was a leather brown. It, it didn't make any sense. So now that you can do the two-helmet rule or multiple helmets, it it is a lot better. And, and the way that the social media was doing, the way the Vikings unveiled their look, it was the it had the, 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 old, the old filter on it that made it look like it was straight from the six, like a 60s uh, pamphlet brochure. Uh, like Brand doing the old poses that yeah. the old football that's players what I, do. I love that man. How fun. fun with it, man! I think it's great. I think, and uh, on top the, of it, you're gonna sell a ton. You're gonna sell a ton, a of, ton of jerseys. And uh, as Matt and Cochran says on the on the fan feedback on, by the way, Matt and Cochran text into my show sometimes too. Uh, he said the Hurricane should do a jersey in Hartford colors. I would be okay with that. Try something different. I like Minnesota going to the old North Star yeah. colors and incorporating it. With their current. That was probably one of the better reverse retros of all of them was that, that was the North Stars Wild. I think you can have a, a ton of fun with it. So, uh, But speaking of fun, I had so much fun with you guys today. That was quick. It was unbelievable. Your day's done. GVP, you made the day go by so fast. Thanks, man. It was just, it was unbelievable. I had to deal with Shan, which, you know. Shan can kind of bring down the yeah. Also, just on the text yeah, line, guy, uh, the guy is saying it, it, we, we thought we were talking to Steve Elkington, the golfer. No, there is a golfer named Steven Elker as well. Yeah, there's a different one. I wondered <laughs> what I was getting <laughs> chastised for. No, no, it's just there's two it's different. It's Elkington, you idiot. There's two golfers. There's Steve Elkington. Like, I have a press release in front of me. This is Steven Elker. And, and Steven Alker on the Champions Tour. I feel like I was getting grounded <laughs> from my mom. You dummy you idiot garrett it's not steve elkington it's steven elker yeah there, there can be more than one steven confirmed confirmed you dummy you idiot that's why i only do one morning show uh a year apparently. back to bed for yeah, logo yeah, back to bed for me uh but no in all seriousness thank you for having me along yeah, gentlemen thank appreciate you. it uh, all your hard work. Shan gave you a hard time. You did great today. Same with you, GVP. Thanks, Logan. Uh, Azam, appreciate you and everything you guys do. Uh, it's great to be along for the morning, but uh, good news for all of you that hate me. Uh, Matty Rose is back tomorrow <laughs> with Patty Dumas, so you don't have to deal with me for anything more than today. Uh, but a special thank you to Stephen Alker, who joined <laughs> us on the morning show today. Justin Dunk did as well. Ben Wagner. All of those interviews will be up for you on the uh, hour one, two, and three podcast for the big show google amazon spotify wherever you get your favorite podcast patty dumas appreciate you thank you for everything today 
Uh, we'll be back with uh, an hour four edition of the Big Show. Patty's got you coming up next. No, uh, what are you playing, GVP? What are we a little Ben with? Wagner action. More Benny talk Wags. on the Blue Jays as the MLB trade let, trade deadline approaches. Appreciate so. that. Uh, we got Jays baseball on your radio a little bit later on this morning. They're taking on the Padres. 11.07 first pitch. Don't want to miss it. Uh, appreciate you listening live or on the text line. Have a great rest of your morning. We'll check back in with you later here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, Edelna, get my hot tub about 103 and get my Gatorade.